Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, a podcast series brought to you by the Port Authority of Jamaica, Herb Cement, and the Sajikor Foundation. Impacting Jamaica shines the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects, and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate, and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by Grace Kennedy. Today on Impacting Jamaica, we do an interview with Audrey Hinchcliffe, the powerhouse behind Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, a woman who is not afraid to make her voice heard, and now she's talking about COVID-19. Audrey has been at the forefront of the fight to stave off the spread of COVID-19 in Jamaica. Before Jamaica had its very first case, her voice rang loud, getting organizations to understand and execute sanitation exercises, you know, to stave off that spread. And now she has something else to say. She's saying, take the damn vaccine. Let's listen. Mrs. Hinchcliffe, how did you transition from a career in nursing to manpower? And how do you use your specialist knowledge to make a national contribution under COVID-19 conditions in 2020? Okay, that's a very loaded um, question, but let me try and break it down. Um, nursing as the foundation prepares you to launch into anywhere area to travel, to do whatever you feel like doing. And if I had to live, live my life over again, I would start out by being a nurse. Um, after my many years sojourn, um, Jamaica across the United States to CARICOM, Guyana and what have you, and of educating myself and so on, my plan was always to return home to Jamaica. In that regard, all my investment property, everything was here until I was ready to come home, which I started doing back in um, 1987 and finally in um, 1988. Of course, when I came home, I had to find employment because my two children were still in university abroad. Um, returning home was not an easy path. I mean, I didn't come back to the old Jamaica that I knew. I could not fit in, I couldn't find any employment. And so I had to go and get counseling and decided to um, go into business by myself. At that time, there was no such word to me as entrepreneur. All I know, I was creating employment for myself. So I formed Caribbean Health Management Consultants Limited because that's what I know best. And being familiar with the region, I was aware that when you talk about a consultant for health, they all came from overseas. So here I was um, bright enough to think I could break into that, which took some time, but which I eventually did. It was during this time that I came across the complaints about hospitals not being cleaned um, and so on. And so I wrote a paper to the then government, the Manly government, setting out how they could outsource hospital services, because that was what I did when I was a hospital administrator at University Hospital of ja um, Jacksonville, where I went from being the director of nursing to the hospital administrator. And I saw the benefits of outsourcing, um, starting with janitorial, laundry, and dietary. And of course, the government accepted the proposal. I have to say, there were some attempts under the um, 
other government, NEC August government, and I think they had attempted to outsource one hospital at the time, but there was no follow through. So I was engaged by the then government under project under the Ministry of Health to work on the documentation that would be um, required to outsource um, the hospital services. One important thing to note, when they started to outsource, they were told me, I was precluded from outsourcing because I was the one who worked on the documents. I had to get an attorney um, to point out to the, the, the government then that working on some documents had nothing to do with bidding. And of course, eventually I was allowed to bid. I won the first bid. Um, I was already at Tony to its wing. Then I won Spanish Town Hospital under Caribbean Health. That is when I required that this was a business in and of itself. And that was when I registered Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited and took over the, the services that I had already um, won. And as they say, Manpower, with Manpower, the rest is history. So how um, did the company come to the fore in, in helping with the national challenge on the, on the COVID conditions in 2020? Um, that, again, is a very interesting story. I am constantly researching. They call me the research queen. So when COVID um, was, was, was taking root all over and had not yet come to Jamaica, Manpower staged a client conference on the topic of COVID. We had participation of over 280 um, persons right across from health, industry, everywhere, co-sponsored at that time by, um, by um, Sepron. And mm. of course, we were able to look at the supplies, the chemicals, the PPEs, and all those things at that um, conference. So Manpower made its name and we became a standout um, for sharing information about um, COVID. And so we started to promote um, what was required for sanitizing, the, the, the protecting the cells, the awareness of what the disease was about and so on. And during that time, as soon as the Business Recovery Task Force was formed, I was requested to write the protocols for cleaning and sanitizing. And then um, with our foundation, Manpower is always giving. It, it's my heart. It's my heart to give. And so Manpower Foundation got into the mix as a vehicle um, to do outreach, to assist with um, COVID. Of course, the, 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 the work of manpower um, surrounds education and health. And so it was natural for us to get involved with assisting. And so the first thing we did, we brought in bulk N95 masks, gowns, all the supplies that were required for COVID, we stockpiled and mm -hmm. of course made it known that along with other companies as well, but we already had a captive group of over 280 client locations. Mm -hmm. So what we were doing was a natural fit, both hospitals, BPOs and all the other um, industries. And so we saw where help was needed um, out there and we targeted um, health institutions. So our first donation was during the telethon Remember that was um, spearheaded by um, 
Minister Babsy Grange, where we donated $250,000 cash. And um, um, I think it was um, 2,000 masks, which were given to the National Health Fund for distribution. We also, because Spanish Town Hospital is our client, gave 2,095 masks and they subsequently bought some. Then we turned our thoughts um, to Mandible Hospital, which is where my family has been grounded for years. As a young nurse, that was among my first um, employment. Then my father died there. My niece is currently there as an intern, a medical intern, and a number of my family members live in and around Mandeville. So we thought, hearing that they were also having issues with supplies, both in the public domain, because look, government alone cannot manage COVID. And that's why I'm so happy that the, the, the private sector organization has now entered into a public-private partnership. Of course, that's one of the articles in my book and has been um, published by the Gleaner um, as a separate article. So we took on Mandible. And so we gave over 300 and odd thousand dollars, the value of supplies, which includes N95 masks, gloves, alcohol, hand sanitizers, um, and so on. And then we started getting calls um, from other companies, basic schools, and so on, and individual doctors and nurses from KPH and other hospitals. And we always responded positively and more recently to the medical school at University of the West Indies. The students are getting ready to go out into the hospital. We're short of PPEs, which is gowns, gloves, what have you. So we made a donation to them. Then we looked at schools and we responded to the call from the Honorable Minister of Education, Fabian Williams, where um, she um, reached out to companies to assist with instruments um, for schools, that is um, laptops and tablets. The first school I looked at was my alma mater, Bohemia All Age. And um, when we did our due diligence, the school didn't even have a, a, a proper um, photocopier and teachers are expected to prepare lessons and copy to give to students. So we made a donation of um, tablets and a photocopier and paper and toner and all those things to Bohemia all age. Then continuing schools. When Reverend Harriet was inducted as the minister in charge of Bryce in Manchester, Bryce Pike and Robbins Hall, he made a call for assistance with um, supplies for schools. Bryce is near and dear to me. My parents are buried in the churchyard. Half of us went to Bohemia and the other half went to Bryce. So it was a natural fit for us to make a donation to the church. And so in the presence of Minister Faber Williams and the member of parliament, Audley Shaw, we made a donation of um, tablets and later on laptops to, the, to, um, to Reverend Harriet for him to distribute to the school. Then, Robbins Hall, who is part of his um, responsibility, and Barbara Ellington, specifically, who is associated with Robbins Hall, decided that we have to focus on Robbins Hall, right up Manpower Street. 
my eldest sister for years taught at Robbins Hall. She's buried mm -hmm. in the churchyard there. And mm -hmm. so we said, yes, we are on board with Robbins Hall with Barbara Ellington and um, attorney Shernet Robinson. And so we also turned over tablets to the um, early school and for the basic school supplies, hand sanitizer, mask, and um, some cleaning supplies. And so under our Manpower Foundation, we decided that, look, we are going to stay in it. That is truly commendable. Uh, on a final note, I'd love for you to share with us your perspective on um, the steps that you'd like to see taken within the, the health sector, within you know, the various industries in the continued management of the COVID um, challenge. One of the best things that happened to me was the stay-at-home order because okay. I was still going to office nearly every day. It gave me the opportunity to take a good look at the management of um, COVID. Working back ways, we have not reached out to people enough or in an appropriate way for personal responsibility. And that's why you're seeing the community spread and what have you. The government is trying to do as best as possible what government does. As I mentioned, there is an agreement, um, public-private partnership with the private sector, the PSOJ, and of course the other um, member agencies. But from where I sit, particularly during the times of the press releases, it's communication, and that's my last article in the Gleaner, is not reaching the people. It's not reaching the people. And let me give you a typical example. I saw a recent um, ad where um, an actor is in live show talking about the negatives and the response is coming from the TV. It should be the other way around. The negative should be coming from the airwaves and the live person, the actor, should be the one responding to that and so that people can relate to an actor that they know. And that is something that um, I have been saying that apart from the policymaker, they are the last line of appeal. It should not be while there's a role for them, but it need independent voices, what I call influencers at the workplace, at the community level. Once they put the policy out there, who are the people to run with it? Once that press release is over, we are on our own. The language that is being used is going right over people's head. It is going over my head, a health person, an educated person. If I talk to my staff and mention some of the sentences and what have you, they stare at me. And if it's happening at that level, what is happening to the Joe Blow up in the hills of Trelawney, down in Westmoreland, down in St. Anne, up in St. Mary. So the message has been prepared, but the delivery of the message, I think when I go to Trelawney, where I'm from, driving through the hills and stopping and talking, they don't, they don't have no mask. They don't, they, 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 the public education has not reached them. How did COVID run away in Trelawney? People come to Kingston, Montego Bay and whatnot on the market truck. And so they take back COVID home. And Trelawney was the last parish to get COVID. And then it became the hotspot. 
You see, and I could sit here and trace exactly how it got there because I have a home there and I go there all the time and I see it. So the message, the, we need the appropriate messenger. It's been done, as I said, but it is not reaching. Communities, I think on the ground in communities, apart from politicians, we need to do better by identifying who are the influencers. And I'm not talking about bad man, gunman, and thing. I'm talking about who are the influencers in the um, thing. You know, Avia, my biggest fear, and I'm going to do an article that who is talking to the children about COVID? You know, they are totally disconnected from their grouping at schools and everybody has to stare at a computer and a phone and a laptop and whatnot like me. Who is talking to the children? Mm -hmm. And we, we, I have a worry that the spread, because they don't get the symptoms and what have you, because the testing is not enough, I do not hear a clear message directed at children. So if there's a party, they are there. If there's an illegal beach outing, they are there. And these are some of the things that I think is contributing to adding to the spread. So I am trying to do my part to make what donation I can and write the articles, which I'm so happy and grateful to the Gleaner who takes time uh, out to publish them and to the radio um, station who would call out to me to discuss or share further information. So that's my contribution. And I will continue to do that because I've had my one injection um, vaccine already. And I'm begging and pleading to my workers, over 3,000 of them, to take the vaccine. What is worse than COVID? Look at our colleague who is just gone, Michael Sharp, just like that, one of the people that I really admire. I mean, he's gone. Look at my director in my office, 16 years, 49 year old, she's gone. What more do we need to say to people in plain language, take the damn vaccine? COVID is worse. Impacting Jamaica was brought to you by the Port Authority of Jamaica, Carib Cement, and the Sajikor Foundation. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email at impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Stitcher, or on Deezer. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com. Impacting Jamaica is powered by Grace Kennedy.